I'd like to look for you to look in your bulletin, and today we're going to say together our scripture of the day from 1 John 4, 7. Let us say it together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Dear friends, let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I don't know what it's like for you when you sit at the table of your mom or dad or both. So my parents live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, ironically not too far from where our mission trippers are heading. And when I was home last April, my, my dad is a great storyteller, and of course he loves to tell stories about me and and what you need to know and not hold against me is that I'm an only kid. Does it show? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to take that as no, of course not. So the last time I was home, he's like, Karen, do you remember that time when Kelly? And that's how it always starts. So he tells this story. Do you remember when Kelly was four? And we took her to the hospital to get her tonsils out, and my mom starts laughing. And the story goes like this. They brought me home from the hospital. Now, this was some years ago, you know, like maybe 51 years ago, almost two. And apparently, the orders were, when you get home, make sure she rests. Like, she shouldn't really be moving around a lot, which you might imagine might be difficult for me. And so we were watching Elvis because I knew Elvis about the same time I knew Jesus because Elvis is a big deal in my family. And apparently my dad left the den where I was to go get his ice cream or something and we were watching an Elvis movie and he, and he was singing and dancing. I could not help myself. So I stood up and I started singing and dancing and the last thing I remember is my dad walking in the den and his face turned white and he said, Kelly, what are you doing? You're supposed to be resting. And I said, I couldn't help it. I had to dance. And then the blood. And the last thing I remember, and I was young, is my dad had driven me to the hospital apparently, although I wasn't with it enough. My mom was at work. And all I remember is being scooped up in his arms, and he was running through the doors of the hospital yelling, help, help. So when I saw that clip art of the father meeting the prodigal child, I thought of my dad and the way he scooped me up in his arms. I think so often we picture mothers with babies holding their babies, but I'd like you to picture God as the prodigal father, and you as the prodigal son or daughter, and God has scooped you up in loving arms. So the story goes that there was this dad, and he had two sons. Both were prodigal, and I'll explain. So the younger son woke up one day and looked at his dad and said, Dad, I got to go. There are greener pastures way down the road. And I got to go. I, you know, I don't want to wait till you die to get the money. So can you just give it to me now? And can you just imagine the older brother's jaw is probably dropping, right? 
And unbelievably, this dad goes, okay, I love you, but okay. Now, I don't know about you, but how many parents, that would be their reaction. But the dad let him go. And off he went. And the story goes south pretty quickly. He left with all this money. Life was grand. He was finally getting out of there. And as he starts going through another country, so meaning far, far away, when the money runs out, the friends run out. It gets to the point where the food runs out and he's destitute and everybody's left him. And then he goes to find work and somebody takes him in and says, well, your job is to go out into the field and to feed the pigs slop. And by the way, that's where you'll be staying. And then there's this moment in the story, in this parable, where it says, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses and he realized that even the servants back at the house were treated much better than how he was being treated. And then all of a sudden he's replaying the scenario and he's thinking back about this loving home that he had, but he never saw it because all he saw was he needed to get out of there. And he remembered the extravagant love of his dad. And he felt humbled and he felt humiliated and he was shamed and he was broken, but he knew. He knew that he had to go back. He had nowhere else to go. And boy, how undeserving did he feel. You can imagine what he was thinking about the older brother who stayed while he left and abandoned them both. So he starts making his journey back. Now, meanwhile, the dad, can you imagine that scene? So. Every night we would imagine that the dad is out on the porch and he's looking at the horizon where the road out of their property meets the horizon. And every night he's out there just hoping and praying that he sees the lone figure of his prodigal come back. Every night he's waiting. And I think that's what God does. Every day, God always with us, God waiting for prodigals to return. And how often do we misjudge God when we're broken, when we've done something we shouldn't? And we are so worried that when we try to come back to the fold, maybe to the church, we worry that God is gonna judge us and we forget that God is the dad waiting to love. And because the dad is on the lookout, the minute he sees that son coming home, the son that was lost, he can't wait for him. He goes running, running out to meet this son. And what a moment. The son is sobbing and broken. He's probably rehearsed the speech a million times, and he knows he doesn't deserve anything. And he's coming back to say, just treat me like a servant, even worse than a servant. Just take me back. He doesn't even have time to give the speech, right? The dad runs out and sees him and embraces him and he kisses him. He kisses him before the son even has a chance to say, I'm sorry, to confess what he's done wrong. And he embraces him 
And we can imagine he just collapses. Such extravagant love, such grace undeserved, such love that he'd missed that he didn't know he had, right? All the years he was growing up, and there is God in the middle of the road with you and me, holding us and kissing us before we even have a chance to say, I kind of got lost for a while. And somehow it's shocking to us. Why would God run out on the road to meet us when perhaps we've gotten off track? Because we have this misperception of God. And so there is the Father on the road. And I love this image that he scoops up his son, and he carries him back to the house. And then, wow, celebration all over the place, right? He kills the fatted calf. There's a big party. He gets the royal slippers. He gets the royal robe. And do you know what God is doing to us in those moments? Giving us back our self-worth and saying you're worthy. You know who you are. You're my beloved. How amazing is that? He was ready to come back and be with the servants, and now he's got his place back, and there is a celebration. I heard a preacher once say there's only one person more upset in this story than the older brother, which is the fatted calf. <laughs> so meanwhile, big brother's working out, doing his job like he always does, because that low-down little brother of his had to take all that money and squander it off, and he's still thinking he's gone. So then he comes in from the field. There's this big bash going on. One of the servants says, what's the party? And the servant says, it's great news. Your brother's come back. And he goes, what? Yeah, your brother's come back. Your dad is so happy. We killed the fatted calf. We're having a party. You should see him in the robe and the ring. And the brother is mad. And what we don't realize then is that he too was a prodigal son. He was righteous. He stayed back to work. But can you imagine if he'd been the one to see his brother coming down the road? How do you think his welcome would have looked? Isn't it something that sometimes we think we've done something so bad or we think we've gone too far off the path and then we come back to the church and we're so afraid that the older brother's going to come up to us and go, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And we forget that God runs to meet us. So that older brother, he tells the servant, yeah, you get my dad. You bring him out here. Servant goes in. Dad comes out again to meet the second son where he is in his anger. And boy, the son gives him a riot act. And what is the response of the father? But son, all I have is yours. All of it. All of it. But your brother, he was lost and now he's come home. We are whole again. 
Isn't it interesting, too, that the amazing, extravagant love of this father, it's not only given to the prodigal son, it's giving to the prodigal older son, who is the righteous one. And so what we need to do as a Christian church, because there is a misconception in the world, that if you're a real sinner and you walk into a Christian church, you're going to be rejected and you're going to be judged and you're going to be asked to move from the pew. We have a lot of work to do. Perhaps in some ways the Christian church is a prodigal church. And we've forgotten God who comes to meet us. How powerful is that? And look at the powerful response. What do you think would have happened if the older brother would have met him? It made him feel worse than he was. He probably would have turned around and been lost forever. But it was the dad who came running, who scooped him up and brought him back home. And I love that kiss. I love that the kiss from the dad comes first before the confession. Because it reminds me of Jesus. Not just Jesus who healed people. Who the first thing he said before he did the healing was, your sins are forgiven. But it also reminds me of that moment with Judas. Right? Who tells the soldiers that they're going to recognize Jesus when he walks up to him and gives him the kiss. And that's what Judas does. And after he kisses Jesus and Jesus receives the kiss, he says, now go what you must do. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just for Mary and the disciples and all of us. It was for the Judases. The Judases who sat at his table. The wayward prodigal sons and daughters. And we all have times in our life when we've been the prodigal. So this parable is about the most amazing thing, the irresistible, life-changing love of God. I also think it's pretty interesting because when Jesus told parables, he didn't wrap it up really nice, right, with a bow on it, because I kind of want to know what happened. Like, did the prodigal son who came back, was he changed? Did the older son kind of get it? Did they live happily ever after? Well, this is a family, so families don't all live happily ever after. And that's what I love about this family. We don't know the story. We don't know where the mom is. We just know that it's about the father and these two sons. But make no mistake, when Jesus told the parable, the prodigal was us. God, the dad. So I have really good news for you today. Just as the prodigal was enveloped with the arms of God, with irresistible, life-changing love, where sins are forgiven, and we can begin again and again and again. That's the message for us today. Us sometimes wayward prodigal sons and daughters are loved and are given grace and are given such opportunity to join a church family, a family bigger than our own, where we can practice that extravagant love when we say our prayer of confession together and we're forgiven together and we practice what it means to live it out. 
What an amazing thing. I heard of a story of a day in court where an elderly father was sitting through the trial of his son, and it was a long list. And when the judge asked the son to stand to receive his sentence, from the back of the courtroom stood his aging father. And when the judge gave the sentence, his father was standing in solidarity with his son. Extravagant, irresistible love of God. My father taught me about how love really matters. I used to do this thing on Twitter when I first came on Twitter and I said I'd never be on Facebook until the pandemic came and it was the only way to reach you. And I learned that you should never say never to God. I used to say, what does the love of God look like? And I would make these posts and I would say, this is what the love of God looks like. Well, I've got a new phrase. How we love matters. Someone once told me that when we stand before Jesus, he's not going to give us a list of all our accomplishments. He's not going to give us a list of all the things we've done wrong. Jesus always asks lots of questions. You know, the kind of questions that would change your life. I believe that Jesus is asking us today through this parable, how are you loving in your life? Because your love, it matters. And how we give it matters. And Jesus is our model. So, wow. How you love matters. There was a moment, too, only one other time that my dad picked me up in his arms. I was 20. And, you know, girls and boys. And I was dating a guy for two years, and I thought this was the guy. And he was Catholic, all good. A lot of my family is Catholic. We went to Mass together on Saturdays. But during that time that we were dating, I discovered that God's call upon my life was to be a female pastor in a day where I'd only met one in my 20 years. And when I told him that I felt God's call upon my life to be a pastor, he actually cried and said, this won't work. And so when he came over to tell me, we were sitting on the ground in the den, and you know, father's rules, when boys are over, the door's not closed. And I think he must have been standing that far from the door, and he knew what was coming. And then the guy walked out the house, and I was sitting on the floor, and I was crying. And he opened the door, and he came in, and he picked me up, and he walked me to my bedroom, and he put the covers over me, and he said, I'm here whenever you're ready. How we love matters. How you love people matters. Not just your family members, not just your friends, not just people in these pews, strangers who God has made children of God along with all of us. And your love, it's a big deal. It's huge. I think God is calling us to really love extravagantly 
and God has made it possible because Jesus lives in us. So God bless you all on this Father's Day as we learn to live and love like Jesus because it's going to change lives and the number one life it's going to change is yours. Hallelujah. Amen.